This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 133 and we're recording on Sunday, August 7th. I am Natsra Javed and I'm here with a very special guest, Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Welcome, Kendra. So excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we jump into, you know, our business of murders, mysteries, <laughs> and all, all the good stuff, uh, we would love, I am sure the listeners would love to hear more about you, what kind of books you love to read, just <laughs> anything you'd like to share. Uh, well, I am a contributing editor of Book Riot. I do a lot of audiobook content and a lot of content around disability in literature. And I used to have a podcast called Reading Women, which ran for six seasons. And in that you know, journey through women's literature and literature written by women, I found like Women in Translation Month and all sorts of different cool bookish things as well. So I love... I guess, books written by women and other marginalized genders and uh, a little bit of everything, honestly. Like, I'm very much a mood reader, so I just wander around and pick up what looks good. Um, most importantly, though, I have two corgis, Dylan and Gwenlian. Uh, they are in the other side of the house. Unfortunately, they couldn't join us today, but um, they're here with us in spirit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is the most important aspect. So thank you for sharing that. It really is. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so what have what has your reading preference been lately? What are you currently reading? Well, I just finished a first week of Women in Translation Month. I've been filming a vlog for it. So I've been loving that. And then on the 8th, so tomorrow, as of this recording, starts the Women in Translation Month Readathon, which my friends and I host every year. And it starts over on BookTube. And I'm very excited to start that. There are so many different books that I have on my TBR, so many wonderful things to read. So yeah, I've been really excited about that. Is this the readathon you do with Matthew and Jen? Am I right? Am I wrong? Yes, yes. Because I follow it. I follow it very well. Because <laughs> I love it so much. So yes, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see, see the vlog and follow what you all have been reading for the Women in Translation Month. I personally love the Women in Translation Month because uh, my first language is not English. My first language is Urdu, Hindi, and like just seeing everyone appreciate works in translation. It's just, it's, it's a nice feeling. And it just feels like it's a more holistic, you know, reading experience that there's more than just one language out there. I don't know. It just feels more representational. So I love this month. I follow very closely, you know, your reading vlogs that um, you three do and your TBR. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> I've been, I've been reading something very interesting that I want to share with all the listeners. It's A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. And this book was basically, someone had, on Goodreads had reviewed, reviewed it as Emilia Peabody series meets, I think it uh, meets uh, the 
what's the soulless the parcel uh proctored series yes and i and i was basically sold i was like okay <laughs> i mean that's that's all that needed to be done but then i started reading it and it's one of those rare books where i am listening to it on audio but i cannot decide if i want to experience it in audio or if i want to do it in you know ebook where i can read it all the time or if i want to do it in physical so it's it's so immersive and so incredible and if you if you haven't heard the book it's set in I I feel like it's a mix of genres. It's historical fiction, steampunk, alternate universe, but it's also a mystery. It's set in an alternate Cairo, Egypt in 1912. And we follow the story of Fatma al-Sharawi, who is the youngest woman who is working for the Ministry of Alchemy. So, and what happens is when a secret brotherhood dedicated to one of the famous men in history, al-Jahiz, is the whole brotherhood is murdered. Fatma is called on to the case and she basically has to, you know, has a chance to prove herself and basically save this magical system. And it sounds, it sounded a lot more complicated than it actually is. So I love that. And then it, this is also work in translation. It is um, translated by Rebecca Cardenoso. And this is the first in the dead gin universe. So I am loving it. And it's, so readable i i uh, i'm just i just had to give it a shout out so yes oh, that's, that's amazing I, yeah it's oh the and the audiobook performance is absolutely mind-blowing so yes that's what i've been reading but with that let uh us jump into our episode but before we do all of that let's take a minute and hear from our first sponsor <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. 
As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters, and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are new here, welcome. If you are tuning in, you know, if you have already heard us and you're tuning in, thank you so much for sticking with us. This is the part of the show where we like to put out a call to our listeners to, you know, to get their brain juices flowing in case they have any suggestions of for upcoming episodes, uh, in case they want to write to us and tell us, you know, what they want more of. These suggestions really help us uh, plan our episodes. And it's just a great way for us to know what your listeners enjoy and how to give, you know, how to do more of that. So if you have any recommendations, ideas, or if you just want to say hi, shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We'll have all the information at the end of the episode, but and also in the show notes. We just like to put this call ahead of time. And even if you just want to say hi, there's nothing we enjoy more. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review over at Apple Podcast so that other people can find us. But with that, let's jump into our main discussion, which is translated works of mystery and suspense in honor of Women in Translation Month. So Kendra, tell us, how was it finding works of translation, especially centered around mysteries and thrillers? Is this something you read normally? Was it a you know a bit of a challenge? How was your journey? <laughs> well, I really love this month because as you know, English is my first and unfortunately only language. And when I realized that so few books from the rest of the world in other languages were translated into English, I was just horrified. Uh, I think there are always these moments where you realize like, wait, there's a whole slew of books I could be reading, but I can't because they're not in my language. And most of the world reads translated books all of the time. We're just very, we'll just say odd. That's the kindest term in English that we don't really look for those. So when I found Women in Translation Month, I was just so excited. And so for me, I'm always just looking for more books in translation in any genre. And I do enjoy mysteries and thrillers, particularly since other countries have really robust you know, mystery and thriller genres that they have a long history of in their literatures. And it's such a wonderful thing to discover and read. And it's just like a whole new world. And I really love that about Women in Translation Month. And so I've recently been looking into like Japanese crime novels and thrillers. So that's been fun. And I also really love genre bending books. So I have one of those today to talk about but I really love different takes on the genre from other countries in other languages. I, I love that. Yes, I and I agree, especially I feel like with Japanese and like South Asian literature, because it's so different in the sense that it's I have found in my experience whenever I've read works of mis- uh, translated works of mystery and suspense, they're a lot sharper. And uh, there's always this like, uh, not all of them, but this tone of like, dry humor like their delivery like the timing of it is very like spot on the one I'm talking about in particular this is not uh, the author is not a woman but just a Japanese work of translation that I've recently enjoyed is the detective Kosuke Kindaichi uh, series they're being 
I think there are like over 30 books in Japanese wow. and they're they're slowly being translated by this small press, Pushkin Vertigo. And they're so good. I mean, like the author takes plots, you know, like that, like that Agatha Christie has maybe it may have already done in like, and then there were none or something. And you think there, how many ways there are to, you know, take this on. And this author is just like, is proving you wrong in every single time because they have so much to contribute. Like the way they reimagine that, like old tales that you think that cannot be redone again. And also another thing that I love about works in translation is how you sort of see issues that may mean like that are in your life through a different spectrum and like it's sort of like a recalibration of perspective like things that might matter to you might not matter to you know in other cultures it's they have a different priority level and it's always a good eye-opener that you know it's not just like this american-centric perspective yeah I always enjoy that. And it's also sometimes it's comforting, which is an odd thing to say about mysteries and suspense. But <laughs> it's like how the, sometimes when you find a book that's like centered in your culture or, you know, reminiscent of that culture, it's always a comfort, like a bomb. Do you know, like it's nice yeah. to read that. It's nice to see that on paper. So, yes. And I see over here you also added a link for womenintranslation.org. Yes, yes. So this initiative was started by Maytel Rodzinski, and she founded Women in Translation Month. And so there's a whole website. We'll include that in the show notes. And on the website, she has a lot of resources, including recommended reading lists. She keeps up with new releases. But one of the things that I really appreciate is she gives stats for women in translation into English. And so she lists that only 36 percent of books translated into English are from non-European countries, and less than 31% of translations into English are written by women. And these are really sobering stats, and I think it just goes to show that Women in Translation Month, uh, you know, it's been a thing for almost 10 years now, but it's it's still very much needed. Absolutely. I, I, I've been browsing this, and uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And there's so many on the list that I have on my TBR. So, you know, that gives me another thing to go down a rabbit hole and start reading. So excited. We love a good rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> so excited for this. But with that, how about you uh, kick us off with our first pick? I have read the book that you're going to discuss, and I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about it. So go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so this is um, Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead by Olga Tokarczuk. And this is translated from Polish by Antonia Lloyd-Jones. And the original novel in the original language came out in 2009. And so this is from a Nobel Prize winning author. Olga Tokarczuk is a Polish treasure. She's wonderful. And this book revolves around Janina, who is this curmudgeonly woman living in rural Poland, studying astrology and translating William Blake into Polish and just living her life. But she also has neighbors and she's not overly fond of them per se. Uh, but when one of her neighbors, in fact, one of her least favorite neighbors, uh, she names, she nicknames him Bigfoot, shows up dead. And it's not like he arrives at her door dead, but she finds him with her other neighbor, Oddball, who she's also nicknamed. And uh, she she really didn't like him. So while she feels sort of sad that he's he's dead, because she's, again, curmudgeonly and just very practical, you know, she really didn't like him. And so she's trying to figure out 
how is he dead? Did he really choke on this bone from the food he was eating? What happened? And so it's basically her living her life, trying to figure this out. And basically everyone thinks it's an accident. She's not so sure. But then another body shows up and that's where things kind of really start with the book. And let me tell you, I, at the end of this book, I just, I was so shocked, not shocked, but like, oh my word, this just happened. And I really liked it. I'm trying to jump around spoilers, but as someone who loves animals, let's just say that I was like, okay, yeah, I can get on board with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very nice way to go. <laughs> but yes, it's it was uh, it was a fantastic read. I I and I also I I appreciate that you're not trying to give a lot of the story because I think the best way to approach this is not know much about the story. Like that's all you need to know. Like what Kendra has told you, that's all you need to know. <laughs> don't go on Goodreads. Don't go on Goodreads. Don't start reading reviews because it's like this how the story unfolded for me. That was the real I don't know, like the genius of it. And I feel like it got, like you need to give it a good 50 pages before it really hooks you. And then you're just like, you're sold. And then what is life? Like once you finish it, you're just like, you have this (laughs) blank look on your face of what just happened. It's so good. I I still, I read this with a friend. We did this discussion thing. um, And I still remember this book very vividly. It's very, very good. So yes, I'm very excited that you picked this. Yeah. And it has like a literary bent. And I know some people are, you know, kind of, we'll say fussy about genre. I I am not. I'm like break down all barriers. But this is really like a literary mystery novel. Mm -hmm. So think Hilary Mantel. What Hilary Mantel did for historical fiction is what Olga Tokarczuk is doing for mystery novels. And this is very much a slow burn and you just kind of have to sit with it and, and learn all about the astrology that Danina is very excited about. And I had no idea about any of this information that she was researching. I'm, I'm kind of interested, but also I'm a Taurus. So like very practical. So, you know, <laughs> here we are. But also she writes letters to the police and they are amazing. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And they don't answer her because they don't believe her about her theories. And then like, it's it's I don't know it's it's great so just check it out and oh my goodness it's fabulous yes and uh will the, uh, the I think the William Blake how he is featured into the story there's an Odessa Moshvig story what was her death in her hands it's that's that book is also sort of an ins- I feel like it's an insp- inspired by this book because it also has similar themes but that's also mystery suspense, like slow burn, sit with it. Mm-hmm. But then it it gets different. Like, but William Blake features in that as well very heavily. But yes, amazing. I highly I I co-sign this recommendation. My first pick is The Old Woman with the Knife by Gu Byung Mo. And this is translated by Chi Young Kim. And this it's a very slim book. I think it's around 170 pages, 180 pages. No, it's actually around 250 pages. Sorry, what is, what is, you know. And this is actually very interesting how I stumbled upon this book. I, you know, when I was prepping for this episode, I went to the library and I said, you know, I'm just going to stumble around the shelves and I'm just going to explore, you know, what works of translation are there, anything that piques my interest and that seems like it's in this genre. And over there, it was this this small like magenta volume of a book and with the best cover oh the cover is so good and I read the first page and it was and it starts with you know 
the despair that it is sometimes traveling on a subway. And I was, you know, I was in, I live in California. We have a train system here, BART in San Francisco. And I was on that. I travel by that often. And it was just so like, it wasn't dismissive, but it was also so sharp and like true that I was hooked. I immediately borrowed this book. But then this book, what it is actually about is about this 65-year-old assassin called Hornclaw who live, who has a small, modest life. She lives in a small apartment with her aging dog. And, you know, in any society, there are expectations of people who are, like, who cross the threshold of, like, 60 that, you know, they'll retire, they'll just sort of retreat from society. But Hornclaw has no such, you know, she has no such intentions. She is very much dedicated to what she, like, she is, she's, you know, she's alert, she's agile. And though, like, her physical strength is giving out, her mind stays sharp as ever. And she's, like, involved in the agency that she works for, right? But also she is starting to face that sort of disrespect, not disrespect, yeah, disrespect or like the sort of dismissiveness that people have, like younger people have towards old people. And then one day she is injured in the line, like in her, during her job. And she is, she is sent to the physician to, you know, be checked out and everything. And that encounter changes, basically, you know, it takes an unexpected turn of events. And the, like the trajectory of what the story after will do, it sounds so, I don't know, um, linear you know you're wondering how can this how can this go like how can this be a climactic book like how can there be a big what kind of situation but there is and it's amazing and we also learn more about her assassin work so that's all like you know it's so well written like I mean credit to the translation of course but it's like so it's so intensely readable. It, it was reminding me of my sister, the serial killer, in the way that in very short, succinct passages, you were like hooked and you were turning the pages to find out what happens next. It's so well done. And I think this is definitely one that you should. And this is, again, this is, it's it's very much, it has a mystery, it has suspense, but it's also a genre b- a bending in the sense that it's also very much a character study. So it doesn't all become all about a crime. It, there's not intense procedurals going on, but you definitely, it scratches that mystery suspense itch with the, along with, you know, deeply learning about the character. So that's The Old Woman with the Knife by Gu Byung Mo and translated by Chi Young Kim. I love older women assassin characters. It's yes. just, uh, there's one, like, what is it? An elderly woman is up to no good. Yes, I love yeah. I, I love it. That also has the best cover. <laughs> that it also does. has the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it because, you know, it's another, I feel like it's another take on, you know, women defying soci- like society's expectations of them. That, you know, I mean, I don't support vigilante you know going around killing people but also at the same time it's just another take i also like yeah but we do not endorse this method (laughs) it was good to throw out that caveat out there but before we jump to your next pick which is another i am so excited to hear about and i know katie who is probably driving out there somewhere to her destination of savannah (laughs) is in love with this book so she'd be very excited to hear you talk about it but before that let's hear from our second sponsor today's episode is brought to you by ww norton and company incorporated 
So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Team. In a world where the children of the gods inherit their powers, a descendant of the Greek fates must solve a series of impossible murders to save her sisters, her soulmate, and her city. Descendants of the fates are always born in threes. There's one to weave, one to draw, and one to cut the threads that connect people to the things they love and to life itself. And the Aura sisters are no exceptions. There is Eo, the youngest, who uses her fate-born abilities as a private investigator, but her latest job leads her to a horrific discovery. Somebody is abducting women and setting the results wraiths loose in the city to kill. Now, the second book in the series, Hearts That Cut, will be on sale June 18th, 2024. This is a must read for all Greek mythology and fantasy fans. This is dripping with atmosphere, edged with danger. Threads That Bind weaves together a gorgeous dark tapestry of mystery, faded romance, and modern myth. You won't be able to put this one down. And that comes from Alexander Bracken, New York Times bestselling author of Lore. So make sure to pick up Threads That Bind by Kitsa Hatsapolu. And thanks again to Penguin Teen for sponsoring this episode. All right, Kendra, what you got? Well, I am excited that Katie gets to listen to this while she's in my neck of the woods down in the low country. Um, I know so many people uh, are fans of this book, and I really was thinking about like a great intro place to Japanese crime thriller Desk books. And so I picked the one that was a great introduction for me, and that's Out by Natsuo Kiruno, and that's translated from Japanese by Steven Snyder. And this originally came out in 1997 in the original Japanese. And this book is about this really, we'll say, odd friend group at this factory that packages up like these prepackaged lunches that people can run in and pick up. And so they like put everything in the little container in a certain order. And there's like this little conveyor belt. And there's a lot of kind of quirky logistics about the politics of who gets what job and spot on the assembly line and all sorts of things. And so you're kind of like reading this book and you're going along through that. And then this woman kills her terrible husband who was violent. And and then she's like, oh my word, there's this dead man my, slash my husband on the floor. What do I do? And so she goes and talks to her friends and they decide to take care of the body. And that really starts off a wild series of events I don't, I don't, I can't really say anything, obviously, because it's, you know, spoilers, but like there's organized crime, there's like all sorts of logistics, you get into the minds of these really weird kind of people who you're like, 
what are you going to do? And it really looks at a lot of ideas around feminism and women in, in independence and their interaction with patriarchal structures. And there's so much going on with the book. But when you're reading it, and it's it's a fairly hefty book, the edition I have is almost 500 pages. You just sit there and you go along for the ride. And I really love that about the book because I had no idea where it was going. And that was such a I, I don't want to say joy considering that they're disposing of a body, but it was a very fascinating and kind of exhilarating read for a crime thriller. Yes. I I feel like that's another part of Asian literature that uh, comes across in thrillers is how these, you know, how these institutional structures like the pet, how the patriarchy sort of holds down and how usually it's like an act I'm trying to phrase it in a, like in a way that makes sense. But yes, out. Yes, it's one of the books that's high on my list, but also that is also a lot of <laughs> graphic. I've I've heard that it is graphic, right? It is on the yes. graphic side. Yes. Content warning for body horror. Again, yeah. they are disposing of bodies. So that will give you enough information about what kind of body horror we're talking about. But it is not for the squeamish. Uh, that is for sure. And I am a wimp when it comes to certain things. So I certainly had to be in the right mood to be able to read yes. this book. So no no shame here for you know reading what's healthy for you. But when I was in the mindset, it was an excellent crime thriller to read. And I honestly had no idea what was going to happen next. Like, who knows, you know, and I love a book like that. Yes, I I agree. And I, you know, one of these days when I'm, I, I agree with you there, when you're in the right mindset, it seems like it becomes, yes, it's, it becomes easier to process certain triggers and like, you know, move past, like move past it to get to the story. So yes, I agree with that. My second book is, again, I, I there are also, again, content uh, warnings for this. It is graphic and it is also harm to children. So Tread with caution, but it is People Like Them by Samira Sedira, and this is translated by Lara Wergnod. And this book is basically about at, this is about a family, Anna and Constant Guillot. They live with their two daughters in a peaceful remote village, Carmack, in France. And everyone, you know, it's a very small town, everyone knows each other. And until this family, Bakari and Sylvia Longloy, they arrive with their three children, right? And the, they are people of color. They're people of color. And when they arrive, you know, everyone, it's a small village in France and everyone is uneasy with, just everyone is just uneasy. It's it's shown to be a very narrow-minded village. And then one day, there's found dead. The entire family is found dead. And our, basically, our story is like, it centers on who committed the crime in the town, and then it's 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 uh it's not a mystery. I I still don't want to uh, mention it, but it's like still um it's mentioned from the get go, and then you sort of trace it back to why this happened, and this becomes very quickly from this brutal crime to the story of like difference in class, difference in the lack of like just the lack of tolerance that there is to be like outsiders there's also a lot of like that white mentality like what happens when that challenge like when that is challenged you know when that when a homogeneity of a town of a community is challenged how that how sometimes it can manifest as very brutal actions and like how it like 
moves from being microaggressions to a very aggressive act very quickly. And it's told from the perspective of the wife of the man who commits this crime. And she is also horrified at what has happened. But also, as you, you know, sort of trace back to the story, you there's also this very resounding message of how acts like this don't happen in isolation, how it's sort of, you know, like, but it's still till the very end, the motive is becomes clearer and clearer. So it is a heavy, heavy read. It's 192 pages. It is a heavy read, but it's also an important one. Like if you can stomach it, I would, I, it, it, this is hugely triggering to me, harm to family. And, but I was, I feel like it was very well done. It wasn't the horror was not too like graphic in the sense where it, it felt unnecessary. Like, you know, of uh, like it was it served the purpose to the story and that was pretty much it and in the author's note at the end of the book Samira Sadira she says that th- this is actually based on a true story it is an act uh, it's about a homicide that was committed in 2003 in um, a small town in France where a family of five was killed and basically her telling this story is sort of also, you know, retelling the narrative because she feels like in that investigation, she used that as her research for this book. And she feels like there was a lot of the color of the family and, you know, their uh, their beliefs were glossed over by the police of the region. They did not take those into account when they sort of investigated this case. So she tries to rectify that as well, that, you know, it's not, again, that it's not just one factor or it's not, it's never one person acting in isolation and spur of a moment. It's usually a very continued system of oppression and aggressions that leads to such horrifying acts. It's, it's, it was very, it was, it was, I, it was very harrowing. It was very bleak, but it was also very, very like well done. So that's People Like Them by Samira Sedira. And this is translated by Lara Warg Not. I'm I'm very excited. As you're talking about, I'm just adding these books to my <laughs> TBR. So I mean, you've sold me on them. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just yeah I um I love that like. I usually also like when Katie or like when you were talking about your books, I was like, you know, muting <laughs> myself and I was checking my Goodreads. I was like, is this on my Goodreads? Okay, yes, good. It is. <laughs> but yes, it seems like we can go on with this forever. Like a women in translation recommendations. But also, uh, we'll leave the link for you to explore the Women Translation website, get some recommendations. There's I, uh, there's some fantastic ones that move beyond the mystery suspense genre as well. So, of course, explore those too. I am also a huge mood reader, so I support reading whatever you fancy at <laughs> any given time. Um, but with that, let's jump into our new releases. Kendra, why don't you go first? I am super excited for this one. I ha- I'm eyeing the audiobook for this one. So yes, <laughs> I I love Soho Press. So I'm I've had this on my list for a while, and I'm so excited about it. So this is Shudder by Ramona Emerson, who's a Diné writer, and the story follows Rita, and she is a forensic photographer, um, and she works for the Albuquerque Police Force. She has great photography skills and all of these different things, but the real secret to her success is uh, she can see ghosts of crime victims. And so that really is 
how she gets into this like crime solving genre is that she can see these ghosts and they constantly are badgering her with you know wanting to be able to tell their stories and she really finds that this affects her personal life and and just her mental state and so as she's trying to do this um on the navajo reservation and um, help solve these crimes it's also a balance for her own mental health and so so yeah that's the basic start of of this book and i hope that this turns into a series because it seems perfect for a series so i'm going to cross my fingers um but this has been on my list for a while and i'm just i'm so excited that it's finally coming out into the world I am too. I got a sneak peek. Uh, sneak peek. What are words? I got a sneak peek of the manuscript when this was being done. So I am. I it just clicked with me that oh my god! I'm like yes. I remember this. I am very excited for this one. The audiobook uh, seems perfect for this. I have it lined up in my Libby. Hopefully, I'll get on the. And this came out on August second, so it's ready for you if you want to pick it up yes. in hardcover, ebook, audiobook. My pick is Kismet by Amina Akhtar, which also is out. It came out August 2nd. And uh, you might have heard Katie and I talk about Amina Akhtar before. Uh, she wrote the book Hashtag Fashion Victim, which is basically her expose into the world of the fashion writing industry. I haven't read it. Katie has it. But Kismet, I, was, um, I received a galley of this one. And it is a very interesting book. It's basically about... Lifelove New Yorker Ronnie Khan, who thought she would never leave New York. And she's never been, you know, she's never been sort of like aim high, dream big person. She does what she has to do when she goes along with life until she meets the socialized wellness guru Marley Dewhurst. And for for Ronnie, Marley is just not someone, you know, who just has these big uh, illusions of what life should be like. She's a revelation. So she's seduced by the fever dream of finding her best self. And she just packs up everything and makes for the desert mountains of Sedona, Arizona. So, and, and she, you know, she's, she's fully in it. There's healing yoga, there's transcendent hikes, there's epic juice cleanses. And she like Ronnie feels like, you know, she could get, she could get used to this existence, but then, she also feels this sense of unease of like, you know, like, is it really this, what she thinks? Like, is it this, how can it be this perfect? Or, you know, how can she, like, she has this, she starts getting these doubts of this whole organ, like this whole community that um, Marley has created of, you know, the self-care business. And it seems just like a little uh, too perfect. Like everyone is a little, it's it's sort of like you know drinking like the Kool Aid like everyone is just very on board with it to an extent that it doesn't seem possible like how can a group of people have such unanimous opinions about something, and then she she goes on a hike. This is me sort of like plugging in the plot uh, the plugging in the plot here. Uh, but basically, when she goes on one of these hikes, she finds a brutal murder has occurred, and that and that is one of the gurus the wellness gurus and it ha- it starts happening all around town and then basically ronnie realizes that all is not well in wellness town and as marley's blind ambition sort of fears into like this high unchecked sort of mission she starts to fear for her life and now um i mean there's this part of the story going on but what amin after i feel like is really good at she makes like she's made uh, Ronnie very sarcastic not sarcastic but she's very 
blunt inside her head because we're listening to the story from inside her head and she sort of like she also captures the microaggressions that she faces in this small community and it's a lot more than meets the surface so yes and also the crime scenes are a little gruesome so tread with caution but they are not described over and over again they're uh sort of once you move past the situation you're done with them but it was very good and it will and it was it's very readable and you will also on your next hike you will you will be a little more careful so that that's another thing and black crows are part of the story and we have black crows all the time around outside our house so i did not look at them the same for a while <laughs> <laughs> i i like to play, give that warning so like i don't know if you read white smoke by tiffany d jackson what that book did for bed bugs this book did for uh-huh. crows for me so that is also like if you are if you have crows around you be careful when you read this <laughs> that that is a a very good heads up and i did not know that about bed bugs and white smoke so i am um, yes i can't do bugs no. um yeah yeah, yeah. but <laughs> You know, you never think like you're going to be sensitive about certain random things, but then you are and you're like, man, like what is happening? <laughs> Who knew, right? Like I felt, yeah, I felt that about Cackle by Rachel Harrison. Like there was uh, in one of the Goodreads reviews, there was this trigger warning of like, if you know, if you're like sensitive to spiders, like spider appearances, that I was like, huh, I've never thought of it that way. Like, you know, like, am I sensitive to spider appearances in a book I'm reading? Like, I don't want a spider crawling into my book, but like, what's going on? So like, <laughs> I feel like as I'm getting older, the trigger warnings are becoming very oddly specific. <laughs> so I like to throw that out there that, you know, like if Black Rose is not your jam proceed with caution. My husband hates spiders with the burning fiery passion of a thousand suns, so I'm sure he is the exact person that the spider yes, content warning I, is for. I, I definitely appreciate it. I went in with care <laughs> like I went in with caution and it wasn't too bad. It wasn't like if you're thinking of reading that book, it was delightful. It was so <laughs> it was so over the top. But yeah, but I I agree. Like, you know, very specific trigger warnings is what we need now. But with that, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much, Kendra, for it was fantastic having you. Thank you to our sound editor, Jen Zink, who always makes us sound great. Uh, for show notes, you can head over to bookride.com slash listen. For more book recommendations, bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nesra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me, Kendra Winchester, on Instagram and Twitter at KD Winchester. That's K as in Kite, D as in Dylan Winchester. And we will talk to you all next time. Happy reading! Mm-hmm.